G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. But Pastor Greg Laurie reminds us that change isn't forced on us. It's an act of our will. Not every person wants to change. Not every person who's an alcoholic wants to stop being an alcoholic. Not every person who's a drug addict wants to stop being a drug addict. Not every person who's addicted to porn wants to stop being addicted to porn. You have to want to change. Christ can make you a new person, but you've got to walk out of that prison cell. This is the day when the lost are found This is the day for a new beginning Amazing grace, how sweet the sound Again you hear all the angels are singing This is the day, the day when life begins Physicians will tell you that one of their biggest frustrations is examining a patient, diagnosing an illness, prescribing the medication and then finding out the patient didn't even take the medication. Sometimes didn't even get the prescription filled. What's a doctor to do? Well, today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out the same is often true in the spiritual arena. Those who need Jesus the most often resist making a change because they simply don't want to change. Let's learn more. Turn to Romans chapter 3. The title of my message is Three Words That Can Change Your Life. Can you imagine what they may be? Three words that can change your life. No, they are not breakfast, lunch, and dinner. (laughs) But here's the thing. There's a lot of things that people think are in the Bible that aren't in the Bible. I want to point out to you seven things you may have thought were in the Bible that are not there. Number one, the apple in the garden, right? How many times have we heard it said, well, you know, when Adam and Eve ate of the apple. What do you mean apple? Where did this whole apple thing come from? There was no apple. It says it was fruit that was pleasant to look upon. Maybe it was a piece of fruit that pulsated with light and had its own theme song. I don't know. But it wasn't an apple. You may have thought that was in the Bible. Here's another one, the three wise men. The three wise men, they even have their own song. We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts. We travel afar. Someone even named them. Uh, There's Belteshazzar, Melchior, and Gaspar. Related, I guess, to Casper, the friendly ghost. I don't know. (laughs) But uh, the Bible never says three. I said, no, Greg, you're wrong. There's three wise men. No, it says there were three gifts, not three wise men. There might have been nine of them, and they went in on gifts together. I don't know. But the Bible never says three wise men. How about this one? When the whale swallowed Jonah. We even call the story Jonah and the whale. The Bible never says whale. The Bible says he was swallowed by a great fish. And a literal translation of the word would be a sea monster. It could have been a whale. It could have been a custom designed creature that God uh, put there for that particular occasion. 
It could have been something else we don't know, but the Bible never says a whale in particular. Here's another one. People say, you know, the Bible tells us that money is the root of all evil. Actually, the Bible does not say that. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, which while some have coveted after, they have erred or strayed from the faith, piercing themselves through with many sorrows. Money is not evil, nor is money good. Money is neutral. It can be used for good, it can be used for evil, but the Bible specifically says the love of money is the root of all evil. Here's another thing people think is in the Bible. You know the Bible says the Lord works in mysterious ways. Well that's a nice saying and there's some truth to it. There are times God works in mysterious ways, but it's not in the Bible. How about this one? The Bible reminds us cleanliness is next to godliness. No it doesn't. That's not in the Bible. Now it might be a good way to get your kids to wash up for dinner, but the Bible does not say cleanliness is next to godliness. And here's my favorite. You know the Bible tells us God helps those who help themselves. What Bible are you reading? Because that is not in the Bible. Not only is that not in the Bible, that is not biblical. The truth is God helps those who can't help themselves. Or maybe a better way to put it, God helps the helpless. And if Paul has established anything in the first three chapters of Romans, it is that God helps the helpless. Paul systematically destroys every defense a non-believer may offer as to why they don't believe. Paul shows us that we're all guilty before a holy God that we have offended. In chapter one of Romans, we have what we might call the garden variety sinner. Your basic hedonist who chases after the pleasures and the lusts of this world. And he shows them, yeah, you're sinners. And so the moral religious people are saying, yeah, Paul, preach it. Then he deals with the moralists in chapter two, the people that try to live good lives and think that will earn the favor of God. He says, you're sinners too. Then there are the religious people in chapter two and chapter three who are saying, well, we're the Jewish people. We're God's chosen people and we keep the law. Paul's saying like, yeah, no, you don't. You break the law all the time and to be very specific, no one technically keeps the law of God. Everyone falls short of it. And you know why? Because the law is not keepable. People break it. The law, which contains the Ten Commandments, is like a moral mirror. It shows us who we are and how much we need God. The law was given to open our eyes and close our mouths. The law was given to send us running into the open arms of Jesus. So having established where the answer is not, Paul now shows us where the answer is. Romans chapter three, verse 21. Read with me if you would. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Christ. This is true for everyone who believes no matter who they are. It's phrase that Paul uses, shown us away, means to shine, light up, and appear. Much as you would describe the rising of the sun. It's the gloom of human history. Man with all of his rituals and regulations and religion has not been able to reach God. But God reached out to us like a sunrise and it was a sunrise 
S-O-N, when Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead. Now the light shines in a dark place. And here's the thing that we need to remember. Despite our shortcomings, God has extended His grace toward us. Grace is unmerited favor. And that's because despite our sin, God never stopped loving us. Let me ask you, do you realize how much God loves you? Maybe you've come in here today or you're watching and you're thinking, God doesn't love me. Uh, I think God stopped loving me if he ever did a long time ago. God's not interested in me. God doesn't care about me. Listen, nothing can be further from the truth. Despite your shortcomings, despite your sin, God has never stopped loving you. It's been said, quote, the gospel declares us to be much worse off than we want to admit and much more loved than we ever hoped or imagined, end quote. How true. Yeah, you're worse off than you think you were, but you're more loved than you ever thought you were. So now we come to those three very important words that I want you to write down and I want you to understand. Those words are justified, redeemed, and propitiation. Justification, redemption, and propitiation. Three words that can change your life. And they're all found right here in Romans 3, 24 and 25. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness. You know, we throw these words around a lot all the time as Christians. Yes, well, I'm justified and I'm redeemed and I'm propitiated, if that's even a word. It should be. What does that mean? I have no idea, but I like the way it sounds. Well, you should know what these words mean. It's great to have you joining us today for A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. Today, Pastor Greg is highlighting three words that can change our lives. Justification, redemption, and propitation. We'll dig into what they mean as we continue now. Let's start with justification. This means that God has both pardoned me and changed my relationship status. You have your status on Facebook. You can say I'm single or I'm married or I'm engaged or in a relationship. Uh, one of the categories is it's complicated. <laughs> well, whatever it is you pick, you describe your status at the moment. Well, if we were to use biblical terms for our status with God, we would go from lost to found or messed up to justified. God has changed my spiritual status. I am a justified man. You are a justified woman before God. What does that mean? It has a twofold meaning. It talks about what God has removed from your life and what God has placed in your life in the place of that thing. Number one, what has He removed? Your sins are forgiven. On my computer, keyboard, I have a delete key. I think you have one too. So when I'm working on a Word doc, maybe I'll type a paragraph I don't want. So I'll highlight it, and I hit delete. And what happens? It disappears magically. Where does it go? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> maybe it goes to where all those socks go, right? Because you never lose two socks. You only lose one. And are you like me, and do you hang on to the other sock? I, I, I hang on, maybe it will return one day. No, 
I've never had the sock come back, so I have all these single socks laying around. Why do we lose one sock? It's a strange thing. But it disappears. So where do your sins go? I don't know, but they're gone. Long gone. In fact, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, is as far as God has put your sins from you. Hebrews 8.12 says, God speaking, I'll forgive their wickedness and I'll never again remember their sins. What does the Bible mean when it says God won't remember our sins? Is God having some kind of a memory lapse? Of course not. He knows all things. He's omniscient. He's choosing to not remember or choosing to not hold them against you. Therefore, I should not choose to remember what God has chosen to forget. So when you believe in Jesus, you are declared justified before God. It's been put this way many times, just as if it never had happened. Now look, if that's all justification was, that would be amazing. I would be saying, thank you, Lord, but there's actually a lot more to it. Justification not only speaks of what God has taken away, it also speaks of what He has put in its place. He's removed my guilt and the condemnation that accompanies it, but now He's put something in there, in its place, and it's the righteousness of Christ. The word justification means to put to one's account. When God justifies a person, He does so by placing to their credit the righteousness of Christ. This is not a gradual process. It's immediate. It's instantaneous. And it's for you. It, let me illustrate. Let's say that you got yourself into debt. You know, you got a couple of those credit cards and you just charge like a crazy person. And you found yourself $10 million in debt. Pretty bad, yeah. Let's say Jeff Bezos was reading the paper and he saw your dilemma in debt for $10 million. So he decided to settle your debt for you and uh, he paid off all that you owed and you thanked him for it. And then he said, okay, well, I wanna make sure you never get in this situation again. And so I put one billion into your account for the future. The downside is you have to spend it only on amazon.com. That's it, no. <laughs> but seriously, that's what God did for you. You were in debt. You owed a debt you could have never paid ever Christ not only paid your debt and forgave you of your sin, but he put his righteousness into your account. A transfer of righteousness. So that's justification. Then there's redemption. Being justified, verse 24, freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. A very important word. It carries the idea of delivering, especially by means of paying a price. The Roman... Uh, nation, the nation of Rome, would take many people into captivity and make them slaves. So you could go down to a slave market and purchase a slave. To be redeemed means you paid the price for the slave. So God has redeemed us from our sin. Jesus went down to the slave market, if you will. There you stood, there I stood, shackled by our sin. He paid the price and he set us free. Now look, you can set a person free, but if they don't walk out of the prison cell, it's not gonna really matter all that much. You know, there's a story of a man who was disabled, and he believed that an angel would come and move the water, and whoever was first at this well would be healed. It was an urban myth. So there he was, no real hope to speak of, and who shows up but Jesus. And Jesus says to the man, excuse me, would you like to be made whole? 
guy could have said, what kind of question is that to ask? Why do you think I'm laying here hoping that someone will help me get to the water when the angel touches it? No, it's a very good question. Do you want to be made whole? Because not every person wants to change. Not every person who's an alcoholic wants to stop being an alcoholic. Not every person who's a drug addict wants to stop being a drug addict. Not every person who's addicted to porn wants to stop being addicted to porn. You have to want to change. So God says, do you want to change? Do you want to be made whole? And if you do, the Lord says, I've done it for you. So you're saying, well, look, you don't understand, Greg. I have a history of addiction in my family. And my mother was addicted, my father and my grandparents. And, and it just passes on from generation to generation. Here's my profound response. So? So? You don't think Christ cannot break the cycle of sin in your family? He can make you a new person. But you've got to walk out of that prison cell. So if you continue to live under the power of sin, that's on you. It's not on God. Don't tell me you can't break free. You haven't reached out to Him. You haven't turned your back in that lifestyle. And so He's done that for us. He has justified us. He has redeemed us. And finally, our third and last word, propitiation. <laughs> now that's not a word you use in a sentence very often, is it? But a very important word. Propitiation means to appease the wrath of. To appease the wrath of. In the Old Testament, uh, when people would sin, the high priest would go into the temple and he would take an animal like a goat or a lamb. They would kill the animal. Then they would sprinkle the blood on the altar, symbolically saying, this person is forgiven of their sin. But of course, no one was really forgiven by that act that act of slaying an animal was foreshadowing what was to come, or better said, who was to come. Jesus, the Lamb of God, who would take away the sin of the world. The sacrifices and rituals of the Old Testament were always temporary. They were simply placeholders pointing to Jesus. And God accepted these gestures on the basis of the future work of Christ. So his wrath was appeased. At the cross, the judge took the judgment. At the cross, God took his own medicine, so to speak. He took his judgment that had to be satisfied, his wrath, and he put it not on us, though we deserved it. He put it on Jesus, and that is why Jesus sweat blood in Gethsemane because of the horror of what was to come as he would bear the sin of all of the world. And that is why on the cross Jesus cried out that word, tetelestai, one word, which is translated, it is finished. And it means it is completed, it is accomplished. He satisfied the righteous demands of God. We are justified, we are redeemed, and God has sent Jesus to die in our place for our propitiation. Pastor Greg Laurie explaining those three words that can change our lives. Join us again next time for more insight from this series from Pastor Greg Laurie right here on A New Beginning.
Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called Three Words That Can Change Your Life. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast, along with more inspiring Christian content. Just search your app store for Vision Christian Media. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.